Welcome to the Project DIY Hunter Podcast. If you're thinking about hunting DIY or if you've been hunting DIY for a long time, this podcast is for you. We invite you to join us as we seek to gain knowledge to continue to be successful DIY hunters. Thanks for listening and enjoy the podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Project DIY Hunter. Thanks for getting in and listening. So currently we are in Tennessee, right outside of Gatlinburg um, for a bear hunt. I'm joined my buddy Josh. How are you, Josh? I'm good, buddy. Good, man. So tell us a little bit more about you and about your property and, and kind of where we're at in the world. All right. We're about 20, 25 minutes from Gatlinburg. Uh, closest town would be Cosby, Tennessee. Um, we just got very lucky, my wife and I acquiring this property about two years ago um i'm a big hunter and you know my wife started talking to me about the opportunity to buy this property we currently had at the time owned property in middle tennessee uh near gainsboro just a little 26 acres and when this property came up to purchase uh at i mean just a luck of a draw on the price on this property we came to look at it my first time ever on this property i saw bear tracks i seen bear uh territory markings on the trees and noticed that you know this this is the mountains we're as as a crow flies we're only probably eight miles from the appalachian trail as a crow flies so and the great smoky mountain national park isn't that far either so 15 minutes 20 minutes so we're in the mountains and Right off the bat, after walking this property, my wife and I hiked this, you know, our first time ever on the property, every inch of it almost, before we made the purchase, and saw a lot of bear sign. I'm by nature a big deer hunter, not have ever, I've never really been into bear hunting or have been around bears. Being from the foothills of South Carolina, I've heard about them, you know, people hunt them in our county, Greenville County and stuff, but never have I actually went and decided to hunt a bear and my first priority out here was to set up the property for deer hunting so i started doing a few things here and there and noticed man i can't get nothing on camera but bears so what are we going to do about it well i guess the only thing we can do is try to you know thin the population in in a reasonable manner and that's what we're kind of doing this weekend is trying to figure out a way you know hopefully harvest a few of these bears over the next few years i mean the even down where we're living, you know, we were talking about it on the way up, just the amount of bears we're seeing in Greenville County and, you know, Pickens County and the counties where we, we grew up. Yeah, I mean, that's one thing I was talking to you about. It's like, man, I've seen the population of bears um, seem like it's it's skyrocketed in the past five years. I don't know if it's, you know, social media getting more available, TikToks and all that. Um, but you see these bears, you know, in Gatlinburg and the city and, um, it's like they're getting kind of overpopulated. There's not enough food, so they're having to go to you know places they normally wouldn't go to find that food. Especially you know around where we live, we're in the upstate, but we're not near. I mean, we're close to mountains, but you know we're probably an hour or so before you get to real mountains. But there's actually bear coming down in the the Pelzer Belton area, which is uh, you know pretty far from where you think bears would be. Yeah, growing up, we wouldn't think you'd walk out the back door and see a bear, but people, you know, deer hunters now. You know, you got to look at technology, trail cameras and stuff like that have definitely increased our awareness um, as well because, you know, you might have, they might have been there previously, but, and we just didn't know it. But just in the past years, I've heard of people uh, hitting bears, 
um, you know, near where we grew up. Also, yeah. uh, you know, there's a local dairy um, down where we live, and a bear got in their beehive. Wow. And this is an hour, like you said, from the mountains. Right. So, and nonetheless, we're up here, you know, it's only two and a half hour drive from where we live to where this property is we're at now. Um, in all grand scheme of things, you know, that's not that far. Right. You know, but in a nutshell, the bear population does seem to be either growing or maybe, you know, we could say they're, maybe they're, their natural habitat's dwindling and they're being pushed around. That probably possibly. has a lot to do with it, you know? yeah. You yeah, know, that's and that's sad factor. to think about. It's sad to, to think about. But nonetheless, just on this property right where we're at today, just in the two years that my wife and I have had this property, I've counted no less than six to eight different bears on one ridge. This is just one ridge. And if you could see a you know aerial view of this property, we're in the middle of nowhere relative even though we're 25 minutes from gatlinburg you know there's there's not a lot of houses right where we're at yeah yeah so we, we're sitting here now by the fire kind of by the pond here on the property and you can look up and you I mean you can see stars and um it's super quiet out here i mean it's, it's really nice no phone signal zero um, yeah zero phone signal nobody bothering you man it's it's, it's an awesome place so yeah, they have a little pond on it, and and uh, we did a little fishing earlier today. Caught a pretty good one. Um, hopefully that, that'll be in the YouTube video that's coming out. But yeah, so this is the first day. Uh, we're, we're we shot the crossbow some, and uh, going in in the morning, and and hopefully going to shoot a bear. That, that that's my plan. So Josh is kind of. Um, just kind of guided me and you know been nice enough to you know bring me out here being that you know it is his property and he could go shoot this bear if he wanted to but he you know he's given me the chance to do that you know and um i really do appreciate that too but so yeah josh tell us a little more about you and and your hunting you know in the past i know you're a big bow guy recurve bow um kind of like a primitive you know hunting style um just tell us a little more about that yeah, the primitive side of me has been, you know, it's been inside of me for several years. I would say almost 10 years. And um, I've been trying to get more involved in that. I've been shooting the recurve, like I said, for 10 plus years. I've I've shot, I've actually connected with two animals, um, found one, jumped it up. I've actually never harvested it or like, you know, actually recovered it rather, not harvested. But I've never recovered one with a recurve. Uh, and this year is the first year that I've, solely trying to hunt with a recurve um i've been practicing you know tooth and nail to to hone in my patterns and but going back to who i am and and how i grew up and i've been hunting since i was four years old my dad grew up you know in the south uh, south carolina big deer hunter you know weekend warrior basically going hunting every weekend and for whatever reason you know i got drug along and it's one of the things that's kept me out of trouble and kept me focused in life. And it's been a passion of mine since since I can remember. And just looking back, I, I truly believe that if I, if I didn't have hunting in my life, that I would probably made poor decisions, you know, with the, with the friends that I've had. And, and it, it's just kept me out of trouble. Um, I've had the being in the military uh, for the five years that I was. I had the pleasure of hunting several different states, harvesting some very nice animals on public ground. Um, I just grew up boots on the ground type. You know, you find and you find the deer sign. You walk in, until you find the deer sign. 
with a climber on your back and you climb a tree. That's how I was raised to hunt. You know, when we were growing up in South Carolina, you couldn't bait deer. You know, now you right. can. Right. And even though I'll hunt over bait occasionally here, it's it's not my preferred method at all. It's yeah. it, it's it takes away from the enthusiasm of it. Yeah. But I've had I've definitely had the pleasure of hunting. I've had, I've hunted Maine, Texas, Illinois, um, Tennessee. Um, South Carolina is near and dear in my heart. I've killed some big deer in South Carolina, which has been proven to be difficult for a lot of people. Uh, we we do have a piece of property. It's just kind of a honey hole, if you will. It used to be an old apple orchard, and we butt right up to it. We've leased it since I was 11 years old. I'm 38 or 39, one of the two. <laughs> I can't remember. Um, but and now what I I'm really enjoying doing is I, you know I've got five children and I have been getting them involved in the in the sport. And my son, five years old this year, Youth Day, shot his first deer uh, with a 44 Magnum. You know you can use a rifle on Youth Day in South Carolina. And it's just a passion of mine that I want to pass on to my family. And my wife, she hunts. She's killed a pretty decent buck in Ohio. Yeah, that was here recently, right? Yeah, she last year. Yeah. Um, it's just a part of my nature. And going back to what you're saying is the recurve bow, and, I, I, and by no means am I boasting, but I've harvested a lot of animals. None of no magnitude to where you would say, oh, that's a, a giant deer. You know, I've killed some book deer, if you will, but not many. But yeah. I'm not saying it's easy, but the recurve bow just connects you closer to the animal. Yeah. And I think that's where I'm at now in my life is I want a little bit more of a challenge. And I am more of a, you know, backwoods kind of guy, you know, primitive skills, um, hiking, back, primitive camping and stuff like that. So I think that just plays a part in it. And my dad's had me in the woods hiking on the Appalachian Trail since I can remember. And he he's kind of a jack of all trades and he's kind of you know led me down this path of a lot of people would say it's almost too much of a of an obsession yeah you know yeah yeah so let's move and and we'll talk a little more about the the recurve bow later and kind of um you know the challenges and what makes it you know difficult but um do you have any stories from um recent hunts that you know you want to talk about Oh man, where do I begin? Um, if you want, <laughs> I guess we could. Uh, oh, I, yeah, I'd like to uh, talk about some of the hunts that you did in Maine and Texas, right? Because that's yeah. two of the places. You know, you mentioned you were, um, you know, hunted out of state um, or, or different states. Um, so, what, what kind of hunting did you do in, in Texas and in uh, Maine? You know, being from the South, whitetail is is where it's at for me. And Maine, you know, they have white-tailed deer texas has white-tailed deer there's several over uh, several different other animals you can hunt there um you know you like in maine you got moose you got bear you know but i never ever put in for a tag for those animals because i'm obsessed with whitetails uh even in texas you know you got all kind of exotics you can go on and you know exotic hunts and just so many different mule deer even and and that is a, a a desire of mine now to hunt a mule deer but whitetail is specifically what i grew up hunting and i'm just crazy obsessed with them yeah and in texas and i I lived in maine before i ever lived in texas i was in the navy i was stationed in brunswick which is a coastal town uh no ships it was just an air base but it was close to the coast and luckily for me they had a an expanded archery zones it was archery only and it opened early and maine is very you don't get many tags at all you can in the expanded zone you can get a few additional tags 
But if you talk about the core state of Maine, you only get one buck tag. You get one deer, basically that's it. But in the expanded zones, because, you know, closer you get to the coast, the the deer per square mile was a little bit, it, it was better. You know, the further inland you get, and then the, in the north woods, you call it the big woods, the deer per square mile was very, it, it wasn't very dense. It was spread out. Yeah. So you had less opportunities. So I can understand why they would limit the tags. But one particular hunt, I had gained permission. It was right up next to some private property or public property and i had gained permission from this private property owner and it butted up to the public land so i was kind of hunting both and i was young at the time i was probably 26 and i left the stand well even then i knew better but i left the stand at 9 30 i got cold maine's cold i'm from the <laughs> south it took years to to get used to that temperature change and now i prefer the cold south is just too hot anyways so i get down and i'm walking i'll never forget it was like a a christmas tree farm on this back side of this property that i was hunting he had planted christmas trees and i was walking through the christmas trees and imagine just one tree two trees three trees four trees buck you know i could just remember just passing the trees passing the trees just looking around casually trying to get to my truck because i'm cold November, it's the rut. Why am I getting out of the stand at 9.30 in the morning? It blows my mind to this day. And there he is. He's gigantic. Biggest deer I've ever seen in my life. Looking dead at me. And he had a nine... At the time, I didn't know how long it was, but it was a drop time. I mean, it was unreal to me. Growing up in the South, you kill a basket rack egg, you done did something back when I was growing up. You know, now we're... South Carolina is definitely getting into, you know, deer management, antler restrictions and stuff like that. But back then, you see an eight point, it don't matter how big it is, you shoot it. Yeah. So to me, to see a deer of that caliber was just unreal. So, and now my dad taught me well, so I, I made a game plan and kind of, I pulled up, even back then, this is, I'm talking 2005. So I pulled up a topographic map and started looking at the lay of the land and figured out a, a game plan to go in there and kill this deer and i had to go on the public ground to do it because the the public ground ended at the fields basically and you know you're not going to kill a typically 90 percent of the time you're not going to go into an open field on on, and and i could see the road so i just knew that i had to get deeper in the woods to kill this deer to get them earlier so i pulled up the maps and found a pinch point a funnel to where a ridge kind of met a creek bottom Mm-hmm. And it kind of forced the deer through there and to where I seen him and to where I, I figured he was coming from right. was about 300 yards. So I wasn't far in, but I, I remember it was November. I don't remember the exact day, but it was like November 18th. It was cold. I could see my breath. The ground was crisp. I got in there well before daylight. And I heard that deer, that particular deer coming for it felt like a mile. Just walking through the the frozen leaves i couldn't see it i just knew it was coming yeah and i was still hunting anybody that's from the south you know you started out hunting with a 30 30 i was still hunting with a lever action 30 30 marlin 30 30 my dad gave me so i had that in my lap and as soon as he crested this little just this little knoll i mean i i seen him and my heart and my jaw all dropped at the same time <laughs> And he was facing me a little, little, and it, I mean, he picked me out like that right away. But 
I just put it center mass right of his chest, pulled the trigger. He ran just, I heard him crash, but ran out of sight. Yeah. So the first thing I did before I even got down out of the tree, I can't even believe I had cell phone service back where I was, but I did. Called my dad and <laughs> I'm still young now. And the first thing I said to him, I'll never forget. I just, I think I just killed a deer bigger than you did. Than you ever have. And he's killed some big deer. Right. Why that came to my mind? Why was I in competition with my old man at the time? I don't know. I guess to you know to earn my my man card or yeah. prove myself to him. But he was like, "Well, you need to go look for it." You know, so because I was shaking in the tree, I waited legit one hour before I ever got down because I was so afraid to jump that deer. Yeah. And as soon as I walked up to him, it was a life changing changing event for me. To be 25 years old or whatever it was and to harvest an animal of that caliber. He was 20 inches wide, palmated almost four inches on each side. He was only six points mainframe. With that drop time, he was seven. But if you could see a picture of him, he he is literally the most unique, non-typical deer you'll ever see. And that's being biased because I shot it. (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. Um yeah, I haven't had the chance to really kill no no big deer yet. Um, I've seen a few, and my dad actually, this is a funny story. So we were actually going to a Clemson game, and I was standing in the uh, tailgate hanging out with my buddies, and I was like, man, they're showing everybody a picture of this deer. You know, it was a big 12-point that we had on, on my parents' property. Um, you know, and, and, and I've been watching this deer for about three years and never could really, um, you know, get on him. And I'm like, all right, he's coming out. You know, he's coming out during the day. You know, we've we've seen him. Uh, we've seen him on camera, seen him in person coming out during the day. And so I was going to get him, you know, that, that next that next day. I guess I was going to go out on Sunday or um, Monday morning or something like that. And right after the game, it was coming back to the tailgate. And once I got back to the tailgate, I got enough signal to get like a text message because in, inside the game um, back then you couldn't really get no signal because all the people were in one area and it was my dad he sent me a picture of that deer he killed it and uh, had Dang. it up on the wall but at the same time you know they he did all the work he did a lot of work around there too so he had just as much right to the deer as I did you know I was just happy you know somebody got yeah, it that, that, that he got it instead of you know the neighbors or whatever because we have about 60 acres there at the house and um, you know obviously deer travel on, on other people's property I'm not, you know, they just don't stay on mine. So I was just happy that it was, you know, one of us that's, that harvested the deer. A 12-point, though, in South Carolina, that's uh, not many people do that. Yeah, it, it was a good deer, man. It was a lot of mass to him. Um, he wasn't super tall, but um, had really good mass. But um, so what what kind of hunts did you do um, in Texas? Texas, again, was mostly whitetail. Um I, I harvested some good deer in Texas, and Texas will fool you. You know, there's, and it depends on what part of Texas you're in. I hunted a lot of public land around some Army Corps of Engineer lakes, primitive camp right on the side of you know the rivers and stuff. And I mean, that, again, that's just my forte. And sometimes I slept in the back of my truck, just no cover, nothing, just and just get up and drive to a find. And, and the campsites are reasonably cheap, and they pretty well maintained. So you could you'd have a restroom and a lot of them, and a shower. Uh, you could pull right in and pay three to I don't even remember seven dollars. It was almost nothing. Now you had to get a special permit and it was bow only. So yeah, you know, keep in mind when you know uh, uh, most of my hunting in Texas was not with a rifle. 
because I was hunting Army Corps engineer land, and, and they don't allow rifles. I think you could hunt shotgun for rabbit yeah. and and hogs, but you couldn't kill a deer with a, a gun whatsoever. Yeah. So that's kind of what kind of stuck me to that bow is that it was all I had. Because I didn't have pri- – I mean, I ended up getting private land while I was in Texas. I was there, I guess, five or six years. But the beginning was definitely all public and with a bow. Yeah. I think um, I think you'd really enjoy going out and, and hunting some whitetail out in Montana. You know, surprisingly, um, a lot of people, you know, want to hunt mule deer, but surprisingly they do have a lot of whitetail out there, you know, and um, some big ones at that. But, you know, I've watched some videos of Randy Newberg and camera guys um, trying to go, you know, find a whitetail. And it's actually a little tougher, I think, to kill a whitetail out there than it is a mule deer. But um, So what, what would your dream hunt be? If you if you could just do any hunt you wanted to, what, what would that hunt be? Now, you know, where I'm at now with the amount of whitetails I've killed, I've killed 100, nothing, like I said, nothing crazy, 140-inch 12-point uh, from Illinois. I've killed that drop-time deer from Maine. Mm-hmm. I've killed 140-inch deer from Texas. I've killed some South Carolina deer that I've never had scored. One last or two years ago was 22 inches wide, 9-point. Just a beautiful deer. Yeah. Uh, like, to kill it in South Carolina, there's no need for me to even go score. I don't care what it scores. It was a beautiful animal, 22 right. inches wide. And But to answer your question, my dream hunt would be a mule deer hunt and, and probably somewhere like Colorado. Yeah. You know, just a big muley, you know. And actually, it ain't even got to be that big. I'm not looking for a record book muley. I just, you know, a lot of people, you know, we were talking on the way up here, you know, you want to do elk, and elk is on my list. But for some reason, I can't get out of my head, you know, just deer in general. Yeah. You know, whitetail, muleys. So I would say a mule deer hunt is where my dream hunt is. Yeah. And and a do-it-yourself kind of hunt, too. I, I don't want to pay a guide, or I don't have to. Would I if I had the money? Absolutely. You know, I don't want them to tie it up to a tree. But, yeah. I, you know, I don't mind hiking and putting my and boots on the ground and go after and find it. Yeah. But I don't mind working for it. Yeah. And that's that's one thing why I wanted to why we started this whole podcast and, and YouTube channel and stuff is just you know I've got the passion to go out west and um man and and last year you know was was my first year out there and um, I actually wanted to go hunt, hunt antelope I, we talked about this you know in the car ride up here um, but my goal was to go out there and hunt antelope and I had a really high draw odds to get an antelope tag and so I just applied for a mule deer as you know a secondary tag just in case you know a big mule deer walked out i would you know have the tag in my pocket and i could shoot him um but of course i did not wasn't lucky enough to draw an antelope um but i actually actually drew the um lower odd mule deer tag (laughs) so we, we decided and you know my parents were going out there anyway and so we decided to um we decided to go ahead and, and hunt mule deer since, you know, the logistically it, it was kind of set up for me anyway. Um, so, but yeah, I'm going I'm to release a podcast soon with my wife on that hunt. Um, but we did wind up, you know, shooting a mule deer. It wasn't, wasn't a big mule deer, but, um, it, it was a, a good time. And then we got to go sightsee and, and, and whatnot. But, um, yeah, it was, it was a good time. It was, it was definitely worth the trip out there and man, it, and it's hard for people, on the east and the east coast and you know this this time zone over here to get out there and hunt you know it's, it's just such a far drive um and it's hard logistically and and, and that's kind of what 
I'm going through now to learn how to do to hopefully, you know, help other people from the the East Coast and um, South Carolina, you know, where, where it's 30 hours to get out there. Yeah, you can't just drive there. It's no. not easy just hop, no. skip, and jump. It's... No, especially, you know, you have to take a week or almost a week and a half off and, you know, 24, 30-hour drive, you know, it's 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 tough, but... So it's not just logistically hard to get there, but it's also really hard to get a tag. And I know you're, you know, obviously we've been talking about you're a big-time bow hunter. Um, so it is a little bit easier to get, you know, bow tags, definitely over-the-counter, um, that type stuff. So so when you go out, you know, just out west to hunt this, you, you want to go with a recurve bow or, or a compound bow, right? Yeah, my first choice would be a recurve. And it, I'm not opposed, and I'm not stuck on it. I'm not, first and foremost, I'm a hunter. I'm not necessarily just a bow hunter. I do, is that my passion? Yes. But I like putting meat on the table. So if I got to harvest an animal with a rifle, I'm not going to turn my nose up at the opportunity. If I got to harvest it with a compound, I, I kind of use, if I have a good odds of shooting an animal with a recurve, I, yeah, I'll take it. And that would be my, my dream, absolutely. But if I know, hey, this is outside your, your skill set or your limit, you know, then I'll take the compound. If there's an opportunity for, you know, a rifle, that's, yeah, that's that's something I would do. If I could take both, now that's ideal. I have a breakdown, a, a takedown recurve bow. It fits in a backpack. I have a rifle that fits in a backpack. Right. So just depending on the tag situation, which most time you're going to get one or the other. You know, you're not going to have the opportunity to take both, you know, which sucks. But, you know, yes, uh, my goal would be to take a recurve. And that's that. Not only is it obviously harder, it, it's work. It, it, it's patience. It's mentally challenging, not just physically challenging. Getting closer to the animal, it you know, it's work. Yeah. But I'm not afraid of that work. Yeah. And I think before I could go out west, I need to prove myself here. You know, at home, which I like. I said I've. I've con I've made contact with several animals and poor decisions. And my patients weren't running thin. I haven't actually recovered one of the best hit does. I mean, I I drilled her, and I I didn't wait long enough to to go track her. And when I did, she ran into a river, and then I didn't get her. She was bedded down, bleeding, and I and I tracked her too soon. So with a bow, you got to have patience, and I knew that. Yeah. And I do have patience in that mo in you know in that degree, but. My first recurve, I was amped up, wanted to get it. You know, it was getting late. It was dark. It was an evening hunt. You know that type of thing. But you got to remind yourself. Even some of the, you know, the best hunters. I mean, if you watch some on TV, you know, they make mistakes, and right. it's easy to do when you're when you're amped up and pumped up. So you have to constantly remind yourself of that patience and that that fortitude to make the best decisions. And I've seen, and I've actually been seen a lot more of it on tv people backing out saying hey we need to give this deer deer tonight before we track it and that's what it takes sometimes it's a hard pill to swallow yeah it is i've done it i have done it i've shot a deer in the liver and knew it was a liver shot and waited you know six to eight hours to go back and still found the deer alive luckily i was able to put another shot in him but he was still head up when i found him so there is a level of, of skill set and patience that it takes to to recurve hunt 
or bow hunt in general, and then you throw on the recurve, that that or traditional archery in general, whether it's recurve, longbow, whatever, it's it's a mental game as much as it is skill set and physical. But that is my dream to go primitive, all primitive. And one, I'm not even close to where I want to be. I, I would love to be able to pick up, you know, and make my own arrowheads, make my own arrows, make my own bow. I'm nowhere near that level. I'm the guy that's going to go buy a recurve off the shelf and call it traditional, even though, yeah, it's traditional. A lot of guys ain't doing it, but I'm not making the bow by hand. You know, Clay Hayes, right. he's one of my idols. He he can make a bow from, I don't know, a hickory tree, a, you yeah. know, Osage orange tree, whatever they're making it out of, they, he can do it and then sh- and shoot a deer with it. Yeah. That's my goal. And being that I have five kids and a full-time job, you know, I just don't have the, in a farm, I don't have the energy to go out and figure out how to do that yet. Yeah. But, you know, YouTube's amazing. You can learn to do anything. <laughs> yeah. So that's my goal is to be able to make my own bow, go out west, and it, and it don't even have to be a, a big deer. Just kill a deer, yeah. you know, with yeah. it. To me, that's a trophy. That, the real trophy is on the table, providing for your family. Yeah. Well, guys, thanks for listening. Um, it's getting pretty late here, and, and uh, we actually just put some wood on the fire, so we're probably going to hang out for a little bit longer and then hit the hit the bed and hopefully get up in the morning and shoot a black bear. So, yeah, thanks for listening, and uh, can't wait to update you, hopefully, on uh, the next episode about what happened during the hunt. So, yeah, be looking for that. Appreciate it.